Welcome to the Recruiting Playbook Podcast, the parent's source for learning the ins and outs of the recruiting game and how to help your athlete to be the best recruit possible. This is your host, Coach Allen. We're here to learn about recruiting from the experts, to hear directly from the college coaches who are doing the connecting, the evaluating, and the offering. Learn about NCAA rules and the steps your prospects should take as you help them to navigate the recruiting process here on the Recruiting Playbook Podcast. Today, in our NCAA breakdown section, we're going to talk about a first step for athletes to take to introduce themselves to college coaches, developing prospect profile. Then we're going to visit with an impact assistant women's soccer coach at NCAA Division I California Baptist University, Seth Taylor. Coach Taylor will share his experiences, wisdom, and insights on the recruiting process and information prospects need to be aware of to maximize their potential. We'll be right back. Welcome to our NCAA Recruiting Breakdown. An important first step for your athlete to take is to make a prospect profile. A prospect profile is a student-athlete resume that prospects can easily email to a large number of college coaches. They should vary slightly from sport to sport. Some families may desire to hire a recruiting service to help with this part of the process. I think the best prospect profiles include the prospect's contact information, Some will use their parents' contact information or email address specifically dedicated to recruiting correspondence, contact information from the high school and club coaches, names of parents with contact information, graduation year, height, weight, right-handed or left-handed, right-footed or left-footed, key statistics from her sport, cumulative weighted and cumulative unweighted GPA, SAT and or ACT score, or when the prospect is scheduled to take the test, potential majors in college, maybe with some career goals, a personal statement, links to a highlight or skills video, and possibly a game video, and finally, a scouting report or statement from a coach. It's good also to include a cover letter so the coach knows that you have personal interest in that particular school. Remember, Similar to a resume, a prospect profile should concisely communicate the key information to coaches quickly and should be easy to email to numerous coaches. For samples of prospect profiles, go to our website, therecruitingplaybookpodcast.com. In our View from the Bench segment, we're excited to welcome in Seth Taylor, assistant coach at Division I Cal Baptist University Women's Soccer, located in Riverside, California. Coach Taylor has been an impact contributor wherever he has gone, first as a player and now as a young coach. He was an all-conference performer at NAIA Mount Vernon Nazarene University in Ohio, and then as a graduate student, he coached high-level club soccer, ran soccer camps, and served as a scout on the MLS level. Next, he joined the college ranks and served as an assistant coach with then NCAA Division II Cal Baptist before moving to coach at Ohio Dominican University. From there, he moved on to be an assistant coach and then interim head coach at Division I Toledo University before returning to Cal Baptist women's soccer as they transitioned to NCAA Division I. In Coach Taylor's first year back at CBU, their last year in Division II, they won the 2017 PacWest Conference title. Then in their second year in Division I, they finished in second place in the Western Athletic Conference in 2019. At each of his college jobs, he has been the recruiting coordinator, so we can learn a lot about recruiting from Coach Taylor. Coach, thank you for making time for us today. Hey, thanks for having me on this podcast. 
Yeah, we're looking forward to hearing your insights and your experiences on recruiting. And uh, congratulations on the successful transition you and Cal Baptist Soccer made to the Division One level. How are you and CBU Soccer doing? I think we're doing pretty well. Obviously, I think everybody's going through the same thing right now with this pandemic and everything, but we're making the most of it and we're doing everything possible to keep our athletes happy and, and safe. And obviously, from a program standpoint overall, we're, we're thrilled with our success so far. In Division One, like I couldn't have dreamed that we have, would have been this successful this quickly. Not to say that we're um, unbelievable, but I feel like we've done pretty well so far. So we're we're very excited of the direction of the program. Yeah, it's exciting to see how you're challenging for the conference championship already. Yeah, that was heartbreaking, also, but <laughs> but it was definitely it was definitely an awesome ride last year. We made it to literally the last day of the season, and it was kind of a heartbreaking way to not win the championship. But it was really good, a good thing to build on for sure. Definitely. In this episode, we open by talking about tips on how prospects can put their recruiting profiles together to email to coaches. Thinking about the large number of recruits you're in touch with, how many profiles do you think you receive in a season? And what makes some profiles stand out above the others? Whenever I say these kind of numbers, I've obviously done these recruiting talks and different things. Like, I think people don't believe it, but I bet you can attest to this too. But I mean, I'd say in the thousands for sure, which is just insane to go through your email box and this and that. And one of the tips I've always given the recruits at any place that I've coached is try to give me a, a personalized letter. It's not too long, obviously. We want to know about you, but we need to know your entire life story. We, we want to know more about you as we interview and get to know you. But um, definitely, it's always good to give us a couple paragraphs telling us, a little bit about us so we know you've done research and a little bit about you and then that'll probably entice us to go watch you play and, I, and i'm sure you know this too um we love a little highlight video some people are always like give me the entire film i'm always like give me like a three minute clip to show me some highlights so i know you're capable of making highlights and then we'll come out to your fields watch you play and we'll do all that kind of stuff when you go to a match do you go to watch the match in general or do you go to watch a specific player or two never really works out like you think it's going to work out i feel like obviously there's kids who write you and you go with the intent a lot of the time of watching a certain kid but i'd say 50 percent of the time you go to a field for a reason maybe you weren't planning on going for and somebody stands out to you and it kind of happens organically more than them writing you obviously getting written is a huge thing it's always nice to know hey they're interested this and that and if they end up being a very good player and a good person, that's that's just like icing on the cake. But a lot of times I found out, maybe this is just my thing through the years, I go to fields and I kind of just evaluate and we kind of build a relationship organically. But we definitely have had a little bit of both. I'd say 50-50 on the writing, the coaches, this and that. And then sometimes you just go and you find them yourself. So it can happen all types of ways. All right. When prospects and video to you, you said uh, you like little highlight clips. So you know they can make highlight clips. Exactly. What else would you like? Would you like game footage? Would you like specific skills? And what angles do you want the video to be shot from? Oh, for sure. And I always make that joke because, like, I mean, I'm sure you've gotten them before. And this is no disrespect to anybody's video ever. But sometimes you do get tapes and you're like, where was the highlight? You're showing me some passing and this and that. Or the clips like cutting short when you don't know if they completed the pass. But I like just the normal, like, an aerial view where you can kind of see the whole field. So you're, you're seeing them, like, beat a defender or you can see where the, the pass goes. I'm not a huge fan unless I have to for, like, international recruiting. Um, I'm not a huge fan of, like, full games. I like, to, I, I like to use those as in-person recruiting things. But at the same time, I'm a big fan of just, like, all right, show me three or four clips or three or four minutes of different things that you can do. And don't be afraid to show everything. I know at a program I was in the past, 
we had two like they were both like right-sided defenders and one had a long throw in which seems like like not a big deal but at the same time the other person didn't have a long throw and i'm like hey a long throw in soccer is a, is a dangerous weapon so like when we say show us everything you can do that's special show us everything you can do that's special Good advice. Backing up just a little bit, talking about volume, just to give the listeners insight into your life, uh, what mm-hmm. percentage of your time do you spend on recruiting? Man, a lot. <laughs> and my wife and I are about to have a baby, so we're going to see how this all works out. But honestly, um, every program I've worked at, I have been the recruiting coordinator. So, I mean, a lot of my duties have always been doing the traveling and doing a lot of the recruiting, doing the touring, doing the initial phone calls, kind of like laying the table for us to kind of close the deal. But I would say the majority of my duties everywhere I've been, I'd say like 80% of my time is spent on like building those relationships, doing the recruiting. I, I don't know why I got thrust into that. I guess I, hopefully I'm good, <laughs> but, but um, it's just something that I've always done. But I'd say, yeah, the majority of my job, obviously when I was just starting out, I was doing a little bit of everything at different programs. We've been blessed where I can do a little bit less of the other stuff and just focus more on the recruiting where I'm at right now. But so right now, Almost all of my time for my job description is spent on recruiting. Can you name or describe a mistake parents make or recruits make in recruiting? Just one. (laughs) There's just, I mean, one thing, and I think a lot of them get a little bit um, antsy a little bit too quickly, and they're always looking for the next best thing. And and I think this is important. I don't want to, like, downplay this. Obviously, the parent needs to be involved 100%. But sometimes I think a parent can get a little bit too involved. Like once they're doing their campus tour, like you sit down and you interview a kid. And at certain times, the parent takes over the conversation. You're like, well, wait a minute. I want to get to know the the kid. So you kind of have to take a little bit of a backseat. We obviously want you to like this school. We want you to, we want to have your support. But at the same time, we're recruiting your your child and we need to talk to them and this and that. So, but I could, I mean, I'm not a parent yet. I'm going to be soon. So I could probably see why it's important to them. But sometimes they need to realize it's, the recruits, you know, kind of the recruits' job to figure out what they like and what they dislike with a little bit of guidance from their parents. All right, that's good information. We're visiting with Cal Baptist women's soccer coach Seth Taylor. Seth, you've had uh, experience at the NAIA, D1, and D2 levels. Specifically, how does the NAIA level compare with the NCAA? And I'm talking about recruiting processes, some eligibility rules, yeah, maybe some recruiting rules. Yeah, I mean, obviously... And I, I've heard like the NAI has does have like a, a governing body now, so it's probably a little bit different. Um, but I know that when I was recruiting in NAI schools, I could pretty much do whatever I wanted. You could go watch a game that day, go right up to a player after the game, and then even invite them to like, hey, let's go get lunch. And you could you could pretty much do what you wanted as far as talking to them, not having to worry about their you're in school, this and that. Or in the NCAA, obviously, D one and D two like to me are very similar we obviously have a very close recruiting calendar you know for women's soccer a lot of the conversations you can't do anything till june 15th after their sophomore year going into their junior year so this year's june 15th was a big deal for all programs around the country because we haven't been able to watch so a lot there was a lot of phone calls i know amongst my peers on that day as well but yeah you have a little bit more restriction in d1 d2 however I'm a big fan of not letting these kids actually have a, like a little bit of like a youth. And like, I don't think you should be making phone calls to kids very much before they are going to be juniors in high school. I think that's too early. So I actually, it's never really bothered me. It doesn't really affect any place I've recruited at. It's still pretty early and you're still able to get a lot of things done in that time. And it gives them about two years to figure it out. And like, obviously some kids have to make decisions quicker than others, but 
I think that what the NCAA is doing right now is fine. I wouldn't even be mad if they pushed the date back a little bit because so many things can change in two years. But right now we are, we are, and it's kind of a escalated process. But I definitely, I definitely have been enjoying it. Do you have a preference how to communicate initially or in the initial stages? Do you prefer text, sure. email, phone calls? Yeah, I, I told my boss I couldn't give you every secret I have. But um, for the most part, for the most part, I uh, I just will start off with like you know I'll start off with a text like hey Seth from CPU blah 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 I would love to have a phone call with you and this and that and when I say CPU I said I'm there right now I need to speak generally but I'm set the Toledo I'm set the Ohio Dominican you know I kind of just started off with and then hopefully they respond <laughs> if they don't usually I would call a coach and be like hey are they interested and then usually a couple texts lead into a couple more which leads to an eventual phone call. I don't usually do a ton of cold calling nowadays, just like, because a lot of the times these kids won't just pick up the phone unless they know what the number is anymore, so I like preface it. Many young players are hoping for a full ride, athletic scholarship, they yeah. dream of that. Do Division mm-hmm. two soccer programs offer full rides? Do Division ones offer yeah. full rides? They do. I mean, they do, but I always cringe when I go to some of these ID camps for different clubs and things when they're saying that. And I'll say this, I, in my experience is D1 and D2. We've obviously given them at institutions I've been at. However, nine times out of ten, if it's a full pay, it's usually a combination. It's never like usually a full athletic thing. It's usually a combination between academics and it's a combination between athletics. And that's a very low percent in women's soccer, at least in D2. And I believe it's still 9.9 scholarships. And then in D1, it's 14. So do the math. Usually a D1 team has about 30-ish girls on it, and there's 14 scholarships. So you can kind of tell, hey, there's no chance that everybody could have a full ride, but you couldn't have a program. So you can definitely get a lot of your school covered, but a full ride is like for the elite of the elite or the very smart that also are very good at soccer that they can make a little stackable aid. And not every school even does stackable aid. It's just something they've done at a lot of schools that I've worked at. So I always say do really well in the classroom. Not only will it make us want to recruit you because we know you're not going to be an issue in the classroom, but it also is definitely going to help your scholarship. Switching gears a little, are prospects able to see your team train or are they able to to attend your matches? Yeah, for sure. So on visits, a lot of the times coaches will put out different segments where they can come watch training throughout a visit, depending on it's like official or unofficial. And then obviously we highly encourage, and I think every coach should, we highly encourage people to come watch your games, right? They can see the coaching style of the coaches because I know... <laughs> know a lot of people and you know it's really easy to sell a kid on a campus and this and that and put on your best foot forward but you know and i know sometimes things don't go right in a game and it's hard to <laughs> and they can see all sides of that coach so i think it's really important for them a to see how you get like the coaching style of a coach and, and b obviously see the the style of play which does change depending on the year but the style of play of the school that's recruiting them to see if that they could fit so definitely a big deal for me to have recruits see games and just kind of experience it. And I also don't believe like a lot of these high school kids and club players really understand the importance of college and like what it means to represent your institution and your school until they actually see it in person. And it just is a bigger deal. You're representing your school. You're representing a team you're with all the time. So if they get a little bit of a piece of that watching the game, I think it's a really important thing for them. And as they watch the players play, lots of times prospects will come and say, for your squad, maybe, wow, I'm better than the 30th player out there. I could make this team. When they come and watch the players, what should they look for? Do you have any specific things you think they should look for? 
Yeah, I mean, one thing I love when they come watch our players, and I'm hoping I'm hoping they're thinking, wow, that's a really good school, and that's a you know you have to be at a really high level to be out there. And hopefully, one of the things that they're seeing, at least about programs I've been a part of, is you know, man, to get out there, I'm going to have to like have an incredible work rate. I'm going to have to have incredible character to not respond or react wrongly if something doesn't go our way. And I'm going to have to be an incredible teammate. And obviously, it's hard to pick up all those things. Sometimes they're 16 years old when they're watching the games, but. That's why I think it's a big deal because hopefully when they're watching a, a program, they're seeing those things in those players. I'm like, all right, this is something that I feel like I could fit in with. I see that this player is really doing this. And hopefully if they, let's just say, for example, it's like a right midfielder or a right wing and they're watching what that college player is doing, hopefully they're like, okay, those are things that I'm going to do. These are, these are things that are important to us. And one thing we've found is a lot of times we have to train some of these more attacking-minded players. Like, hey, you have to play both sides of the ball at this level. And that's one big thing for us when people are coming out to watch us play. Um, we want them to be, be able to see, hey, I have to attack, and defending is also just as important. And what grade does your recruiting list start at? And what's the best way for young players to get on your list? Yeah, for sure. I'm going to do this one a little general, but I know for the most part, um, and most of my counterparts, like we're looking at kids starting sophomore year, sophomore year of high school. Some, like every once in a while, there's exceptional freshmen. I just think too many things with growing as a person and a player can happen between freshmen. And honestly, I think a lot of that can happen between sophomore and senior year too. But I think sophomore year, like the following their sophomore year is a safe time because obviously I, I coach women. And I think a lot of the time they're either going to grow um, tactically and mentally and different things in those years. But a lot of the time, you know, a lot of them are full grown. They can grow further, but you can, you kind of can see, okay, I can see where this kid could be at. I, I'm, I'm see, I can get a better representation of what their highest ceiling can be by the time that sophomore year is over. Sometimes it doesn't happen that way. Like, there's always exceptions to the rule. I've seen people develop crazy in that year, and they're amazing as a junior, and they were kind of under the radar. But I think a fair assessment is, like, following that sophomore year um, is when, like, I'm compiling stuff throughout that sophomore year and starting to do those, like, recruiting contacts following that sophomore year. And on the other end, what's your advice to a senior who hasn't received a solid offer yet? Keep looking, because... I've been a part of several situations where we've offered seniors last minute. It can definitely happen. And also, I've never been a fan of, you know, you have to play D1 or you have to play D2 or you have to play NAI. Like, I think all three of those levels are great levels to be at. And I'm always like, hey, obviously different people have different recruiting calendars. And just because you didn't or get recruited to your dream school or whatever school you thought you wanted to go as a sophomore or junior and you're into your senior year, well, pay attention because, and it's hard for them to realize this, but like, you want to be wanted. And if there's an NAIA school out there that's maybe on a different calendar or a D2 that's on a different calendar and they're pursuing you and they're showing interest in you and they're you know, offering you a scholarship, man, that's a school I would want to go to. So I think it's really important for them to just be patient. Not everybody has the exact same recruiting timeline and you can still have, end up at amazing institutions you know even junior college players you know we've recruited junior college players in the past to places i've been at and everybody has a different journey everybody has a different recruiting calendar and you know just stay with it so by a different recruiting calendar you mean s certain levels or certain universities they'll make offers in say may or I, june before their senior just, year whereas others will yeah. make offers save a scholarship or two may offer it in february of their senior year Exactly that. And I mean, like, it's pretty well known that usually the kids recruit committing really early are the kids that are usually NAI commits kids junior, senior year, where like Vision One will commit kids sophomore, junior year. It just is like, it's just a different thing. But it can happen both ways. Like, I've seen early commits at NAIA and I've seen really late commits at D1. But, and I've always just been like, hey, anything can happen. Stick with it. And you're going to find a place. I always say, if you really have a drive and you really want to play collegiately, you'll find a home. 
All right, Coach, any last words of wisdom you'd like to share with parents, families, as they help their prospects to pursue their dream of playing yeah, at the college level? I actually do have something. I think parents need to know it's really important to support their kids and not put pressure on them and not worry about what's going on with other players on their AAU team or their club team. Just because Susie got recruited early doesn't mean that's the be-all, end-all, and nobody else is going to be recruiting. I always say, be patient, go through the process, make your visits, make sure you're, you're talking to players on that team, make sure you're talking to the coaching staff, make sure you're seeing games, do all of your research, and eventually the best fit, the right fit's going to happen for you. So just be patient. All right, and then to end on a light note or inspirational note, do you have an underdog success story you can share? Have you had a player who received little interest as a high school player and then became a impact player for you? Yeah, when I was first at first go around at CBU, I had a player named Sylvia Sanchez. We just put out an all decade team at CBU a couple weeks ago on our Instagram. And she's definitely on there. She she actually came and she tried out, which we rarely do that kind of stuff. And she tried out for the team and she made the team. And the first year she played, she was like kind of like a sub at center mid. And the next year, we're like, you know, we're going to use her as a right back. And played her at right back. And she did very well. And then she just kept progressing. And by her junior year, she was uh, the Pac West Defender of the Year in the conference. I think she had like 11 assists as an outside back. So she was, she was Defender of the Year, first team all conference in the Pac West. And she tried out. She just decided to try out, and she came out, and she turned herself into an amazing player. So that's why I always say, like, you ne- never say never. Like, everybody's timeline's different. And she she had no plans of playing college soccer. And then on a whim, she was like, hey, I'm going to try out for this team. And she made the team. And then she went on and had a great career. Well, thank you, Coach Taylor. I really appreciate your time. You shared a, a lot of good insights and perspective, really important perspective. So thank you. Sure. And we hope for and we'll follow you guys. And we'll look for continued success to you and to CBU Soccer. Awesome. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. That's our show for today. Thank you for joining us on the Recruiting Playbook Podcast. Be sure to join us next time as we talk through another recruiting strategy and hear from a college coach about important information and effective strategies for recruits. Be sure to tell your friends about our podcast and keep those questions and comments coming so we can tailor the show to fit what will be the most helpful for you. You can reach us at the Recruiting Playbook Podcast at gmail.com. Remember, good planning with hard work leads to success.